How many people got to see some great fireworks this weekend? Yeah? Did anybody see some? I heard Shell Rock had a really good show. Anybody go to Shell Rocks? I heard they were, were they outstanding? I heard they were fantastic. Clear Lake, anybody Clear Lake? I heard those are really good. Um, I, I like the ones, I don't know if you have any favorite ones, I like the ones that are just like a bright flash and they're really loud, you can like feel it inside your chest. Kids, did you get to use sparklers? Nothing better than running around with a stick on fire and sparks burning your skin, right? That's always fun. We have a tradition, we go to a friend's house uh, every year and they have a big 4th of July party, we have cookout, we have all kinds of great food, we wait for things to get kind of dark and then there's some neighbors across the way and they, uh, they have a big party with all these inflatables and stuff and they've got fireworks and they start shooting some fireworks into the sky and, and they're pretty good, we let them shoot off a couple and then my friend brings out the big guns. He brings out these mortars, and he has a ton of these mortars that he fires up into the sky. And we just, as soon as the first one goes up, we just start hooping and hollering because we know, like, we've got this best, the best private fireworks show in town. And, like, there's guys up there, and they're up there trying to light three or four at a time. And this table was new this year, safety table, because one year, those little tubes that we were launching them out of, the guy's tubes broke, and he stuck it into, he, got, he went and grabbed the downspout off, off of his house so we could use that to launch these things. And he put one of those things in there, and the downspout tipped over. And he goes running, fire in the hole, fire in the hole, and the thing tips over, and it's aimed right at the fire pit where we're all sitting. And so we're running like a scene from a war movie, and the thing goes off, and fortunately, everybody was okay. So they built this table, and uh, it's all secured down, those things are screwed in, and they can light a bunch of them at a time. It's my son Eli's favorite holiday of the year, his favorite time of the year, um, you know, because usually by the end of the night, some of the kids are actually lighting off some of these fireworks. And there's nothing better than lighting that fuse, right, and then running for cover and seeing this thing just explode out of that tube and fire burst and then it goes up and it blows up into all this color and all this smoke and makes all this noise it's a beautiful thing it's like the celebration of summer but we know just like the skit guys told us you know it's it's a celebration of our freedom right it's bigger than this it reminds us of our freedom it reminds us of our military our veterans many of them who sacrificed a lot, right? Some of them sacrificed, gave their lives for us to be able to enjoy the freedom that we have today in our country. Reminds us of the rocket's red glare and the bombs bursting in air, which gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. This is what fireworks do for us. And fireworks are dangerous. So they remind us that our freedom wasn't free, but our freedom is costly. We shoot fireworks to remind us of this and to celebrate the freedom we have. And we celebrate extravagantly because we value freedom so much in our country. God also values freedom. He values it greatly. And we know this because it's a common theme throughout the Bible. God is talking about freedom. God moved heaven and earth, and he moved the Red Sea to free the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for us so that we could be free from the power of sin and the curse of the law. God values freedom greatly. Paul shares this very succinctly and very clearly in his letter to the Galatians. This is the central message of the gospel. It's what Jesus came to teach us. And it's this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. God values it much. We ought to value our freedom greatly as well. We ought to celebrate our freedom daily. What does it look like to celebrate our freedom? Well, I thought we should do that this morning. So, I brought some fireworks. I got the Mad Hornet. I got some bottle rockets. 
I've got uh, this tricolor rocket. That should be fun. Ooh, thunder rockets. I think we should start with this one. I think we should light some of these off. What do you guys think? Light these up. Will you come out and help me? Come on up. All right. Come on right up here. You grab hold of this thing. Okay. Now you got to hold on to it. We're lighting it off. Don't you think we should? Yeah. Are you ready? Well, it might hurt a little bit, okay? So, but you got to hold on to it because I don't want you to drop it. If you drop it, we're in serious trouble. We don't know where the thing's going, okay? So you got to hold on to it. Don't point it at me, okay? No, don't, don't point it. Where are you going to point it? Should we point it out the door or something? Okay, stand over here a little bit. Open the door, Tof. Okay, he's got the door open. Now hold on to it because, like I said, it'll burn a little bit maybe. And it might leave some scars, but those scars are going to be cool. The chicks will dig that one day and you have a really cool story to tell. Okay? You ready? Don't you think we should? You have a problem? Light it? Should we light it? Somebody, okay, maybe we better not light it. I'm glad somebody had... That's right. Thank you for thank you for talking me out of lighting this thing. You can go ahead and have a seat. We won't light it, right? You guys want me to light? Don't you guys know there's rules in this church? Don't you know how dangerous this is? We could get in real trouble. We could hurt somebody lighting off these fireworks, right? This is a dangerous thing. Freedom is actually pretty dangerous, right? But freedom deserves to be celebrated. It deserves to be valued. But the problem is, if we don't understand freedom and if we don't understand how dangerous it can be, we will never experience it the way God intends us to experience freedom. Experiencing freedom, understanding it, receiving it, living in it, celebrating it is all part of God's plan and God's will for us. And this morning, that's what we're going to look at. How do we actually live in Christ's freedom? And celebrate that freedom. When Paul was writing his letter to the Galatians, he was actually writing to a group of Christians whose freedom was being threatened, whose freedom was under attack. Paul had previously visited with them and he had taught them and talked with them and he had taught them that there were no requirements that they needed to fill in order to earn God's favor. That Jesus had actually died for them. And by dying for them, they'd received forgiveness of sin, they received all of God's blessing, they were part of God's family. They didn't have to follow all of the Jewish rules and customs in order to earn that privilege and earn that freedom. It was through faith in Jesus alone that they were adopted into God's family and received freedom. But Paul has been gone for a while, and since he's been gone, there have been some Jews who have been jealous of these new Christians' freedom. And they're trying to talk the Christians and talk to, teach the Christians that actually there are some rules that you need to follow to be part of God's family, to be free. In fact, they were specifically putting intense social pressure on these Christians to be circumcised. Now, that's a serious threat to any grown man who's uncircumcised. It's a serious threat to his freedom, right? Some of the Jews believed that trusting in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins wasn't enough. Then they were telling these Christians, you have to become a Jew to be part of God's family. And to become a Jew, you have to be circumcised. That's probably not a real threat to our freedom today, but we do face threats to our freedom. In fact, every week I face temptations that threaten my freedom. These temptations usually come in the form of my cravings for potato olays or the big Philly cheesesteak from Pepper Jack's Grill. Anybody had one of those yet? Oh, 
I mean, these things overwhelm me. I ate at Taco John's twice in the last three days. That is not good. But those little golden nuggets of potato, they are, man, they're so good. It's like I have to have the Pepper Jacks. I went there last Sunday and I got one of their sandwiches and I'm putting stuff on it. I'm getting ready to take it home. I dropped it on the floor. Somehow it got knocked off the counter, falls face down. I'm down there. I'm scooping up the meat and putting it back on the sandwich. I'm ready to take it home and eat it anyway. That's, that's how sick I am, right? Fortunately, the manager said, hey, hey, don't eat that. You know, we will, we will, uh, we'll make you another one. There are other things that actually enslave us too that are a little more serious than cravings to food that can own us, right? Sometimes it's negative thoughts. Sometimes it's comparing myself to others. It's insecurity. It's thoughts like I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified to do what I do. And what happens if people find out that I'm not good enough? I better work really, really hard to try to show that I am or at least cover up the fact that I'm not. Sometimes I find myself overly concerned and enslaved to this idea that I have to earn people's approval, that I have to please people in order for my life to have worth or to have importance or to feel like I'm loved. How about any of you? Anybody, you like battle anger? Any of you like ever think, boy, I wish I could stop yelling at my kids sometimes when they make me mad, but you just can't quite get over that hump? Or uh, anyone feel like you wish you could stop comparing yourselves to your neighbors or stop being jealous of your neighbors? The ones who are building your dream house or the ones who are taking their eighth exotic vacation since March and you haven't even been able to get away for a night with your wife or a weekend with your kids. You ever get jealous of some of that? Or kids, do you ever like wish you could hit a baseball as well as your friend hits the baseball and when they do it, you get a little jealous and it makes you harder to be nice to that friend sometimes? All of these things. I, I was on Facebook just, just this weekend and Q, Enrique Ochoa, he works over at NAS and I saw him post about his, he's preparing for his sermon on Sunday and he was at the church and his, his kids brought him sandwiches and a Mexican soda and I'm, you know, taking a little study break as I'm preparing for my teaching. I'm thinking, where are my kids? Where's my sandwich and my Mexican soda, right? It's like I have failed miserably somehow. And these thoughts can get into our head and they can actually start to mess with our freedom in Christ and destroy the joy of our freedom. So here's what Paul says to us and to these Galatians. In the church of Galatia, he says this, It is for freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says three things here about freedom in Christ that are really important. He says, you are free. You are free from something and you are free for something. The first thing he says is you are free now. Your freedom is not in question. It is a done deal. Christ has purchased your freedom when he died for you on the cross. He has set you free so that you can live free right now. And no one can take this freedom from you unless you let them. He says that a couple times. Do not let yourselves be circumcised, right? Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. He wants you to stand firm in your freedom in Christ. Don't let negative thoughts 
or comparisons or cravings. Don't let any of that take away your freedom in Christ. And Paul explains that standing firm in true and perfect freedom has two essential ingredients. He says you need to remember you are free from something and you are free for something. And you need to understand and pay attention to both of these to experience true freedom in Christ. So what are we free from? Paul says we are free from the yoke of slavery. The yoke of slavery refers to the law that God had given to Moses, more than the Ten Commandments. It's 613 rules, 365 of them telling you what not to do, one for each day of the year, and 248 of them telling you what to do in order to be part of God's family, in order to earn His blessing, earn His favor. The law is about righteousness. It's about making yourself right with God. And for a Jew to meet the requirements, they had to fulfill all 613 rules. If they even missed one or were disobedient to the most obscure, insignificant, seemingly irrelevant rule, they had failed the entire law. That was known as sin, right? That's what's known as sin. You miss one of these laws, and there's a serious consequence for that sin. The wages of sin is death, is what the Bible tells us. And Paul tells us this in his letter to the Romans. He says that the requirements of the law were so rigorous and the penalties so harsh, it was impossible for anyone to carry the weight of the burden of the law. No one could do it except Jesus. Jesus freed us from this burden. Listen to what Paul says to the Romans. He says, There is no one righteous, not even one. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law we become conscious of sin, but now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known. This righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. This is amazing news. Jesus says, look, through faith in Jesus, you have been freed from your obligation to fulfill these laws as a way of earning God's favor and earning His blessing. You've been given that freedom. You've been given that favor right here and right now by what Christ did for you. You're free from the guilt and the punishment of sin. A huge weight has been lifted. He saved you a ton of work and incredible headache. Can you imagine having to fulfill all of these 613 rules to make it your day? It was all about fulfilling every one of these rules, to pay attention to those rules so closely that you had to fulfill every one of them. And then when you missed it, He says you are free from the punishment that comes from that curse. Jesus took that curse on Himself. And you get everything Jesus gets. Everything, every blessing of Jesus is a blessing for you. Do you understand how valuable this is? Do you understand what we've been given? This is amazing. It is huge for us. And we don't have to do anything to earn it. We just praise God and thank God that He has given us this freedom. Have you been like placing a burden on yourself to try to earn God's favor? Stop doing that. Have you been placing a burden on somebody else to try to get them to earn love? Stop doing that. There is freedom in Christ. I worked at a Young Life camp one summer when I was in college. And I got hired to drive uh, ski boats and drive parasail boats. It was a great summer job, you know. Spending it upstate New York on a lake, getting tan, lots of fun, you know. I got out there, though, and I discovered I had to take a test over all the water safety regulations and the boat laws for the state of New York. And we got this book that was about that thick, and we had to memorize 
all of these laws. There were hundreds of laws and obscure rules about driving a boat in New York. I had no idea there were that many laws involved. And we took the test, and uh, I failed the test. I failed, I didn't just fail, I failed epically. Right? I think I got maybe like 30% right. Maybe. I may be giving myself more credit than I deserve. I thought, that's the end of my summer. I'm, I'm going home. Instead, my waterfront director signed for me. And the state granted me a full license under his supervision. I didn't have to retake the test. I didn't have to do any supplementary work. I didn't have to go home and return to the yoke of slavery in Iowa known as detasseling. I got to stay and drive boats. They gave me a license. And I was free to start driving boats under his supervision. The law didn't change. The law was still the law. Under that law, I was still not a boat driver, but I was set free from the requirements of passing this test, an impossible test. And I was free from the consequences of having failed this impossible test because my waterfront director, my boss, said, I'll take responsibility for him. I'll cover him. I can't tell you what a huge deal this was for me. And you've got to believe, you know, I didn't for a second argue, right? I didn't say, wait a second, you know, that's not fair. That's not right. You can't do that for me. Let me study some more. Let me, let me look at this and let me try to pass that test again. I know I can do it. I knew I couldn't do it, right? If I'd spend the rest of the summer studying, I would not have passed that test. I went right down and I jumped in that boat as fast as I could and started getting out on that lake so I could be out there driving. I was so thankful and appreciative that anything my boss asked me to do the rest of the summer, I did it. I was determined to be the best, safest, most fun boat driver on the lake. Freedom from legal requirements to pass an impossible test freed me for something amazing. I had an amazing summer serving the kids at that camp, serving my boss, and amazing things happened throughout that summer. Paul says... That's what's true of the gospel. When we truly understand all that Christ has freed us from, it creates in us an excitement about what Christ has freed us for. Our hearts are actually set on fire to go about doing what Christ has freed us to do. First half of the equation is freedom from something, right? About freedom from the law. But if we stop there, we won't ever experience true freedom in Christ. We have to continue. Paul says this, he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free from the law, but do not use your freedom from the law to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is important. Paul's been saying, don't try to fulfill the commands to earn God's blessing. That's not necessary. He says in Corinthians, right, he tells us that you know, if you've been filled with, uh, with a gift of prophecy or the gift of speaking in tongues and you go out and you do that really well or if you go out and sell everything you own and you give it to the poor or if you have faith that can move mountains, if you do all of this stuff but you don't have love, you don't have freedom. You don't get the full blessing of Christ. Right? You only become a slave to your works. But if you value Christ and the freedom He died to secure for you, then it ought to produce this joy in you that overflows in the form of love for others. You submit yourself under His supervision, knowing that His burden is light, His yoke is easy, that the command to love is actually what brings us freedom and brings us the abundant life He promises us. We are under Christ's supervision and His intention in freeing us from the law is to empower us to live more fully into the law. The call to freedom does not give us permission to do whatever we want. 
We've been freed from the law that brings death for the law that brings life, which is love. We were called from a life of servitude to the law for an abundant life found in Christ. Love that serves others is the only way to experience true freedom in Christ. What was the purpose of the Ten Commandments? It was love. Right? It was a covenant God was making with His people to show how He was going to love us and how we could live in a love relationship with Him. Jesus narrowed it down to two commandments. Love God, love others. Paul narrows it down to one. Love others. As we fulfill our privilege and our responsibility to love, as we lay down our lives for others in sacrificial and generous ways, right? To love God and love others. We experience extravagant freedom in Christ. And what happens when we experience extravagant freedom? We start to experience joy. And we want to share that joy with other people. And other people start to experience that joy. And then what do we want to do? We want to begin to celebrate that joy. Right? And when we start celebrating that joy, we start to shine. We start to shine like those flashlights with the kids this morning. And other people start to see that we are the light of the world because Jesus' love lives in us. Right? It's the faith that counts as the faith expressing itself in love in this way. It shines a light. We become like stars in the universe, shining our light before a crooked and depraved country, a crooked and depraved world. We become like fireworks that light up the night on the 4th of July. And then God's freedom starts to advance through this light to other people. Nelson Mandela is a great picture of this, right? He became a bright light and advanced God's freedom in the world by standing firm on his freedom in Christ. This is what Nelson Mandela says about freedom. He says, For free, to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. Freedom carries a responsibility, and that responsibility is love. This is exactly what Paul is saying in his gospel. And Mandela loved his country, he loved his people so much, that he surrendered to 27 years in prison. He endured 27 years in prison, fighting apartheid so that his country could be free. His enemies could not steal his freedom from him. They could not rob him of the love he had for his fellow countrymen and women. And as he was in prison, and as people started to learn of how he was loving his country, serving his countrymen, other leaders around the world, other people around the world started to take notice. And this light started to spread from this prison cell throughout his country into the world, right? And people started to come alongside of him and started to shine with him. And within four years after he was released from prison in 1990... Apartheid was abolished in South Africa. Within four years, the first ever multiracial elections were held in South Africa. And Mandela was elected the first black president ever in that country. Freedom advanced. The call to love others as yourself is the most difficult command in the Bible. Because it calls for sacrifice. It calls for extravagant generosity. It's the call not just to work hard so that my family can have food and shelter, but to work hard so that the homeless can have places to live, so that the the people who are hungry can have food to eat. It's not just the call to make sure that I know Christ and that I have freedom or my family has freedom, but it's the call to help my neighbor 
to know Christ, to work as hard so that my neighbor knows Christ as I'm working for myself and my own family to know Christ. It's the same call, right? To, to love the child who's not your own, who, who maybe isn't very good at football, right? But you want to love them enough that they have as much opportunity to play a full game of football as I'm working to make sure my own son has a right to play a full game of football. That takes some sacrifice. Sometimes it takes some long, uh, patient suffering in order for some of those things to happen. But when we use our resources and our time and our talents and our energy, our finances to do good for others, this light starts to shine. How bright can we as a church begin to shine a light in this community? As you look to your left this morning, and you look to your right and you see people right around here, there are people here we can love one another and begin to shine a light from this church. How will we do that? When you go back to your homes and in your neighborhoods and you look around and you see people who you can love, how will you love them extravagantly and sacrificially this week? Can we do it so well that we begin to fill this community with light that lights up the night like the 4th of July? A few years ago, Katy Perry sang a song. Baby, you're a firework. Come on, show them what you're worth. Make them go, ah, 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 as they shoot across the sky, ah, ah. She did a little better than me, right? But she was pretty close, I think. She was real close. When you use your freedom in Christ to love others, baby, you're a firework. And you show them what He is worth. And you make them go, ah, ah, ah. And He leaves them all in awe, awe, awe. That's our challenge. Leave people in awe with the way you love them and express your freedom in Christ. Let's pray. Father, um, thank You so much for Your Gospel. Thank you so much that you care so much about our freedom, that you are willing to send your son, Lord, to die for us, to live and die for us, to fulfill every one of those commands, every one of those rules, because you knew, Lord, that that was impossible for us to do. We would never be able to make ourselves holy enough to live with you, yet you desire so much for us to live with you and to experience freedom and eternal life with you, that you found a way to make that happen for us. What freedom that gives us. Lord, it would be a shame for us to use that freedom just for our own selfishness, our own selfish gain. Father, there are people all around us. You desire that same, that same uh, life, that same freedom. For, you desire for them to experience it too. And you're asking us, Lord, to, to take the freedom we have and to share that love with others. God, I just pray that as we grasp what you've done for us, it would explode in our hearts, it would set our hearts on fire, it would fill us, Lord, with this call, with this joy, that we would want to just go out from here and share that love with other people. Fill us with that every day. May we give thanks to you for the work you've done for us. May it compel us. May it motivate us, Lord, to just love others really well. And when we find ourselves trapped again by some other ones burdened that they're putting on us or by our own thoughts. May we remember we are free from all of that. We don't have to go there. May we just experience your love and share that with others. It's in your name we pray. Amen.